0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's play the the time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Okay, brindle up the middle. Hit. Oh. 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 Come on,
1: everybody!
0: All right, everybody, welcome to the 206th edition of the Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man.
1: Sage here doing some playoff content. Man, this is this is where the holy backboard shines because we always try and get all the content out day one. When the game happens, we'll record it, edit it, and publish it, which means I don't sleep
0: for half of the days during the playoffs.
1: So, uh, But I'm extraordinarily excited to actually be talking about winning playoff basketball.
0: I mean, this is grind time. Like right now, it is almost 10 o'clock on Tuesday evening, pretty much 45 minutes right after the Blazers defeat the Los Angeles Lakers 100-93 in game one of the Western Conference first round. The Blazers' miracle magic that there's still a lot left in that jar. They were able to pull out that victory in the fourth quarter stage after really controlling the tempo. I would say for the majority of, of this contest and really never letting the Lakers pull away. And Sage, what I want to talk about is how gritty this this effort was. I mean, we, we when we recorded the preview, we had no idea that ankle injury was going to keep Zach Collins out of game one. So you're a Trailblazers roster, already without two really solid wing options in Trevor Ariza and Rodden Hood. Now you're without your starting. For again, and Zach Collins for I, I don't know they haven't set a timetable. Nasir Little had a really bad um, incident. At, Casey Holdall has the the technical term really caused him to faint, and now he's recovering from dehydration. He's out for at least two weeks. So you have an, you know you have just some four bodies that you can't bring with the Lakers. You start an undrafted rookie and Wenyen Gabriel. Your entire front court, I believe, ends up with. Five fouls, Nurkic, Gabriel, and Whiteside. Uh, Gary Trent played with three fouls for the entire second half. So you're on pins and needles this entire game. You're down bodies. You're a lot of foul trouble. Some of the calls aren't going your way. The Lakers make a run. But Sage, the Blazers answered. And they did it on the defensive end, which is so crucial for the growth of this team.
1: I mean, it was cool to see them go into zone. Certain Lakers rotations you don't fear them shooting an open three because they're not knockdown shooters. Yes. There are certain players that we shouldn't leave and didn't leave, but those certain lineups, it was kind of like a three, two zone. I'm trying to remember plays, but I distinctly remember a a two, three and a three, two zone, getting them to go into the paint. And then we zone and have blitz the blitz, the person attacking the basket. It was cool to see instead of our basic coverages, we threw some zone in, we threw some man, you know, LeBron James is one of the best players ever. You got to mix up the things that he's seeing. Cause if it's the same thing, literally every time, he's just going to pick you apart. And he did have a great stat line, but he had some turnovers because we were switching between every other defensive set. It was a different look for LeBron We challenged him and there were some plays where he messed up and that's where you got to, that's where you build that margin of error on LeBron James's unforced turnovers and leading to points. That's how we get this, this, these more wins is capitalizing on the Lakers turnovers and them only having one lead initiator
0: currently. And so on the local broadcast, Lamar made a really smart insight and once he said it, it was like that light bulb moment that goes off it in your head. And like, that makes complete and total sense. He said that the Lakers, while the best team in the West, for the Blazers, they're probably an easier team to defend than a Brooklyn Nets, a Dallas Mavericks, maybe even a Houston Rockets. Anthony Davis does not like to play the five. So that mm. forces them to play a traditional front court where you've got Davis and then either Howard or McGee that fits right into the Blazers hands because we have trouble guarding those stretch bigs. And they also aren't littered with three-point shooters. Sage, you you called that out right, right from the jump. They shot five of 32 from downtown. And I really didn't like a whole lot of the looks they got. A lot of them were pretty contested. So I'm starting to get, you know, I'm starting to reminisce and, and get shades of that Oklahoma city series from last year, where they were not littered with three-point shooters as well. And we begged them to beat us from downtown. Now there's probably going to be a game or two, maybe three, where the Lakers get hot and they could take those games because LeBron and AD have so much gravity and you have to pay a lot of attention to them. That's that's why players like Danny Green have eight three-point attempts. Kyle Kuzma has five three-point attempts. But the Blazers did a really good job of not just giving up the wide open look. They, for the first time all season, I felt like they really recovered on the perimeter. They they made the Lakers make decisions, um, especially the, the help defenders on the wings. They wouldn't fully commit to a shooter. They would like almost fake like they were, and it would cause them to hesitate. And either they would swing the ball over and it'd be too late. There would be another defender there waiting. So I thought the Blazers played a really smart defensive game. I thought every Blazer played intelligent. They knew their assignment. There was no communication errors. And, you know, how can we not give it up for Hassan Whiteside? I think defensively in that fourth quarter, he was the turning point. I mean, you look at him overall off the bench. He's a plus 13, second only to Lillard's plus 19, 26 minutes, eight boards, five blocks and seven points. Uh, Just a game changer. Swatted Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma a few times at the rim. Really when Portland was having trouble scoring, they were not giving the game away on the defensive end. They were saving possessions and they held the Lakers to 37 points in the second half. That is unheard of for this blazer team and a really great start for the blazers. I love that. They set the tone defensively. There's going to be times that where they have to win shootouts, but it's nice to see that they can win games on this end of the floor. And I think you would be lying if it didn't give them confidence in their defense as well, because they've been, they've been reading the media. They know that they've been getting kind of tore up on that end. So for them to kind of have a statement game on the defensive end, so huge to start these 2020 playoffs. One second.
1: There's this wonderful site called the uh, popcorn machine, which tracks game flow. So I want to see how many minutes Hassan and Nurk played together. They played 14 minutes together in the range of 14 minutes together as a team, like being able to just dominate with two humongous players like Hassan and Nurk is kind of a game changer because the Lakers are usually the biggest team out there. So to have two big bodies to compete with the Dwight Howard, who was getting away with a lot of shit. You saw him play uber aggressive and uber physical. Sometimes it would lead to Blazers getting angry and being the reactor and getting the foul call. Before, I I was looking at how many minutes Anthony Davis played the five, so they had their most unique lineup. It's only eight minutes. In those eight minutes, I want Nurkic to body him, make him feel you every second, force post-ups because Anthony doesn't like playing the five. Lamar Heard said it. I've noticed it forever. Like, the Pelicans traded for Omar Asik for that very reason. And if in the playoffs he's only playing eight minutes, around eight minutes at the five, that means that they are going to have to play another traditional big, which means that Hassan or Nurk or Zach Collins can stay in the dunker spot and
0: defend. Anthony Davis and Danny Green tied for a game low, low minus 20. So I thought the Blazers had a really strong game plan. Uh let's give a lot of credit to Winyan Gabriel. Uh the, the rook went out there, started the game on fire. You know, he ended up with four points, a block, three rebounds, two of two, played 16 minutes, ended up racking up those five fouls which I thought he got the rookie treatment on at least 80% of, of those calls. But the thing I loved about him most is he doesn't play out of his skill set. There was a couple times where he caught the ball or either got an offensive rebound. He didn't look to go up. He reset the offense. Yeah. Knowing your limitations is such a value, especially in the postseason, because you don't want to give possessions away. But on the defensive end, I thought he held his own against Anthony Davis. AD didn't get a whole lot of open looks. Uh, yes, he lived, at, he lived at the line going, going 12 of 17. But again, I thought a lot of those calls could have been non calls. Uh, a lot of ticky tack going on, but again, superstar calls, especially in a major market, it's just the nature of the business. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. So for the Blazers to overcome that, um, I really liked that they didn't let AD get into a rhythm. You know, LeBron's always going to get his, but it's really ensuring that nobody else goes nuclear. For the Blazers to really feel good about their chances in the upcoming games.
1: You know, the thing about Anthony Davis, he is an elite initiator. Someone has to physically dribble the ball up and pass it to him. The fact that we made it difficult for him to get comfortable on the offensive end is pretty amazing. He's going to get those calls. And you, you know it and I know it. When Zach Collins comes back, he's going to pick up those fouls. When Gabriel Gabriel's going to pick up them fouls. The nature of those younger players are reaching for potential haymaker type steal. Forcing him to be on the line is, you know, the clock stopped and he gets into a rhythm, but you don't see him get into a rhythm where he's attacking from a multitude of ways offensively. You saw him mostly in the paint. When he's getting comfortable, he's shooting mid-range jumpers. He's shooting threes. We saw him mostly in the paint, and that was a added benefit because LeBron James was trying to go get in the paint. But the Blazers had someone defending Anthony Davis like they rightly should, and LeBron went into three players when it really should have been him blowing by a Gary Trent and getting an easy layup. Like The fact that AD couldn't get going was a huge factor for us.
0: And you look at the Blazers on offense, barely getting the century mark, hundred points, they put yeah, up, what 30, is this? I guess it's, it's 1977 because uh, the Blazers I texted you, they look like the 77 Blazers in that first quarter, the mm. back cuts from Lillard with, with Nurkic dropping the dimes, uh, the pick and roll, just the sweet, you know, ball movement. Lillard coming off of multiple screens. It was beautiful. And then the Lakers kind of took that away. Um, As they, as they should, you know, that they made. They're a very good defense. Yeah, they made it tough on us and we we grinded it out. And again, yes, it's one victory and the Lakers are probably going to go back and say, hey, you know, we didn't play that well. But I'll tell you what, the Blazers didn't play that well either. And they Mm -hmm. got it done. That is incredibly encouraging because clearly Dame and CJ did Dame and CJ things. You get a combined 55 from them, Dame going for 34, five and five. 10 of 10 at the line cj 21 and 5 and cj really got us going to start the third and fourth quarters we never really had a lull uh which was super impactful in terms of letting the game get out of hand but two players who have come up clutch time and time again when the call went out they both answered and it was literally in back-to-back possession so You look at Carmelo Anthony and Gary Trent Jr. Both shot a combined five of 19 and three of nine from downtown. But when they were called upon, they splashed home two wing threes to seal the deal, Sage. And this is, I've lost count for how many times that has happened. And it's it's so odd, but also satisfying that it usually is one right after the other in all of these bubble games. I want to look at, this, this game log. So the game was tied at 89 Portland, you know, committed to turnover. Danny green makes that layup. Dame goes down, takes matter into his own hands, much like he did against uh, Memphis. He shoots a a massive dagger or that might've been Brooklyn. Excuse me. It was Brooklyn. He goes down, shoots a 36 foot three pointer. Okay. Next possession hits mellow. We're now up six. So after LeBron, you know, gets a tip in and AD makes a dunk, there's about 90 seconds left. We're up to, they just sell. They throw the kitchen sink at Dame, and he makes the right read again, kicking out to Carmelo, who swings it to Gary Trent Jr. That three just really sealed the deal. I love the trust that the Blazer guards have in in their teammates, and I love even more the big shot making and big shot taking of Trent and Anthony. I mean, they just keep coming up time and time again. And that, that's confidence building, baby, right there. I mean, you saw Gary Trent hit the backboard on two threes. I, and I, I texted this TCH. I was like, I don't know if he's ready for, for prime time right now because he looked a little shook on offense, defensively solid. But offense was a little shaky.
1: And I think my response was, when you have great confidence in yourself, those are just goofs you're going to make the next one. And he had the confidence to take a really clutch three-pointer at a really imperative time for it to go in. So it shows me that, yeah, he fucked up twice, or embarrassingly fucked up twice, and then came, and when he got to the serious part of the game, he greened the three. We could honestly say the difference between us winning and losing. So it, it, it shows... It shows some great confidence. Dame has in Gary, and Gary has in Gary. And if Gary's gonna be what we've been saying is a core piece, that that's only a beneficial thing when he's making clutch shots. With with Damon and CJ and their gravity on the court and Nurk, he's gonna be the beneficiary of a lot of easier shots. And when you can take those shots and make them in clutch situations, when there's a minute left. It's huge.
0: So, Sage, we quickly touched on Damian Lillard, but I obviously want to spend a little more in depth talking about his performance. It's really, he's at the point in his career where you see him go for 34, 5 and uh, 6 of 13 from downtown, a perfect 10 of 10 at the stripe. And I was telling this to Olga, like, I was like, oh, he's got 20, he's got 25. Like, it just felt so quiet and that he wasn't having to exert a ton of energy. Um, and it still felt like the Lakers were throwing the kitchen sink at him. Yeah, he was pretty cool, pretty calm. Only shot a couple of shots where I was like, ah, oh, that that might not be the best look. And I think a couple even got tipped by the defender. But for the most part, he was really in control of the game, like like we knew he would. But it was that moment where he hit that three and he's just that too short was playing on hmm. on the PA and he's just he's dancing. It's a tie game. Game one, fourth hmm. quarter. You're the eighth seed. It's going up against the the Goliath, the behemoths, the Lakers. And he's just, you know, dancing, not a care in the world. That's gotta be utterly terrifying if you're the opposing team, seeing this dude is this cool under pressure. Damien
1: has been having a lot of ceiling games offensively. And we've needed it. I mean, we had to fight tooth and nail to get to this point, right? And you see him score, how many did he get? 30?
0: 34. So four above his average. It was even a better than average performance.
1: So 34 points. But it was all in the flow of the offense. That has to be terrifying. Because Dame's had to force shots. But when you can get 34 in the flow of the offense and people are saying, you know, that's a quiet 20 or that's a quiet 34. Dude, when he wants to take over, it's going to be even scarier because he's going to take more of those green light threes that you know Terry has empowered him to shoot. Because if he's just getting this in the regular flow of the offense and not breaking plays to launch,
0: holy shit. And what I loved about this win, it didn't come off Dame having a ceiling game. It didn't come off the Lakers going into drop coverage and giving Dame every single look in the book they threw a lot of defensive looks at him caruso picked him up 94 feet every time down the floor uh it was either ad or howard who was up on him every single time they threw him a lot of looks and so the blazers are going to have even more game film to make adjustments and that's what the postseason is all about this is a seven game series they're going to be adjustments on adjustments on adjustments this is just like the first dance stage going to fill it out okay you're going to move a little bit slower okay i'll move a little bit faster to pick it up you know you're just going to try to find find your partner and and see see what kind of dance works the best the blazers found their rhythm in in regards to to a 1-0 series lead and you know i did think at times that the blazer players didn't know exactly what they wanted to do with that, those defensive looks. And you can see in the results, it was only a hundred point performance from the team. But again, that's why this victory is so important because they will have the time to look at the film. You can maybe see, okay, Carmelo is always open in this corner. Okay. Or Gary, I need you to come to the top of the key or, you know, we had Nurk and Hassan open in, in the paint every single time we got to get them the ball. If the Lakers continue to play that defense, I, I think it, it's on the Blazers to, to make those adjustments. And again, take what the defense is giving you because in today's NBA with how many shooters are out there and really the, the nature of officiating, it, it benefits the offense. If you're just patient, you can pick apart a part of defense. So I thought it was really good. I didn't see a lot of rushed shots from the Blazers. They really value each possession and I think you got to feel really good if you're you're a Blazer fan. You probably play a a B B overall game and you beat the one seed in game one. I mean, you you take that that every day.
1: I mean, you 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 mentioned adjustments a few times, and it's like in the last few playoff series, Terry's gotten beaten by other teams' adjustments. You think of Golden State and allowing those shooters to have more open threes you're thinking about the pelicans and drew holiday bodying up on dame so how do you think terry stotts is going to be able to react to the
0: adjustments the lakers will absolutely do to us i think if i'm the lakers you still probably roll out that same strategy if you're if you're looking at it from their point of view okay we only gave up 100 points we're going to score more than 93 next game So I I think the Blazers better be prepared for more of the kitchen sink being thrown at Dame. I would even make sure that the third ball handler on the roster is always near midcourt on the inbounds pass because there are going to be a couple times where they're going to be pressuring both Dame and CJ and you're going to need an outlet out of the inbounds. The Blazers had two to three just really dumb turnovers where it resulted directly into Laker layups. Uh, I I mentioned that one that tied it up at 89, uh, Danny Green picked it off. There was one where CJ dribbled it off his foot. Um, Clearly you can't play a flawless game, but Portland has to cut down on those unforced errors. And I I think the Blazers are also going to need to prove to the Lakers in regards to to Carmelo and Gary Trent, they're going to have to keep hitting big shots. Uh, Wenyon is going to have to hit a couple of shots, uh, maybe from the perimeter. They are not going to all of a sudden say, oh, gee, we lost. Uh, let's play him straight up, and we'll, we'll see who we can win that way. No, they're going to continue to say, you guys made a couple of tough shots against us, and there were a lot of lulls both ways. I don't know if the Lakers are going to make too many more adjustments. Uh, we may see LeBron come out on, on Dame a little bit more. Um, I was honestly surprised we didn't see that. As much as we did, especially in the clutch. But again, this is why it's important that the Blazers have Damian and C.J. McCollum because both are, are big-time playmakers and, and shot creators. And LeBron is also 35 years old. The announcers made an uh, incredible stat that announced an incredible stat: that LeBron's really played three full seasons of playoff basketball. So he's been in the league 17 years. You add three more years of playoff basketball, all of the FIBA experience he's had overseas. The guy is a, a workhorse, and it's incredible that he's at this level given the mileage that he has on his body. So maybe that's why he's not able to play Dame as much, but I don't know what else the Lakers could do defensively. I think the Lakers may look to tweak things more on the offensive end, Sage. And if I'm the Blazers, I would expect a heavy dose of LeBron James going uh, full barrel into into the paint because one thing I forgot to mention during the last podcast was I thought if LeBron had a heavy assist night that it would be uh, spell doom for the Blazers. Well, he ended up with 16 assists before turnovers, so that's you know four to one assist to turnover ratio is pretty pretty damn impressive. But LeBron scares me when he takes over a game because he can get guys into foul trouble, he can live in the paint. And he's, he's just the best at what he does. So I think the Blazers need to be cautious of that. They need to encourage him to shoot the three and just ensure that you're not picking up fouls. Like there's going to be times where he is going to get to the lane. You have to be smart and not swipe down. Like I've seen the the, the, Nurkic did that one time to Kyle Kuzma in the fourth quarter. Kuz is throwing up this weak ass hook shot, but Nurk bailed him out by smacking him on the wrist. So just continue to play smart, disciplined defense and just know that the the Lakers are aware. Like, I, I don't know how they weren't aware before or they weren't aware when the Magic defeated the Bucks as an eight seed earlier this afternoon. But they're, they're aware now. And you could tell a little, little bit during that game the Lakers thought they could kind of flip that switch and turn it on. They, they didn't. The Blazers were playing playoff basketball for the past three months. Now the Lakers are finally having to play for something. So the biggest adjustment intensity Portland has to meet the Lakers at that level because they are going to they're gonna punch us in the mouth to start game two and it's gonna be important that Portland weathers that storm
1: I was watching the national coverage because I was on YouTube TV and that's what was playing they were talking about Rondo being a positive player for the Lakers in terms of of course it's going to be initiating the offense obviously he he's otherworldly at that. But they were talking about him as a defensive prospect. And the the I know Blazer fans have this narrative of Rajon Rondo as a defensive stopper because of the Pelican series. But the Pelican series was really Drew Holiday being that defensive stopper and Rondo oh, helping. Drew and AD. Yeah, it was Drew AD. It was not Rondo. Rondo got taken out of games because people bullied him. He's a slight person people are expecting a lot of Rondo and hell he might have a game where he's the third best player on the Lakers. Absolutely. It could absolutely happen, but I'm not scared of him against Damian Lillard. This version of Damian Lillard is going to go right past him or bully him, bully him up the court. Cause he's slight. I don't. I, Rondo scares me in the way that he can get LeBron off ball, but he doesn't scare me as a defensive stopper at his age with his body type against a player that's playing this well in Damian Lillard. I don't think Rondo is the dame stopper. I think the the two-man defensive team of Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday is the dame stopper, but that doesn't exist anymore.
0: No, Dame one dame extended his range, uh, yeah. so that was – he, he combated that. But, you know, you mentioned Rajon Rondo putting LeBron off ball. If you're the Lakers, why would you want to take the ball out of the leading assist man in the NBA? Why would, why would you want to take the ball out of his hands?
1: maybe maybe he's the initiator on in the second unit so lebron can get uh some rest but i wouldn't put them together because that's it's canceling rondo's one amazing ability out
0: one other thing about rondo i think if the lakers internally are you know putting their hopes on rondo to beat the blazers rather than fixing their own offensive sets or even defensive strategy i think the blazers that plays right into Portland's hands. Uh, I thought Alex Caruso actually played pretty pestering defense on on Damian Lillard. He didn't make things easy um, at all. Yes. He had help from his big, but you know, he fought out there. And you also have to look at the fact that Rachel Rondo hasn't played basketball in five months.
1: And the timetable, like it's, it's early on the timetable. So his thumb might not be good enough to play. 24 minutes of basketball. I don't... That's his right hand, too. That's his dribbling hand. That's his shooting hand. I mean, maybe his thumb hurting will make his three-point percentage a little bit better because he's kind of trash at it. But I don't know. Like, the the national coverage kind of made a big deal about Rondo, but it's just like, Boston Celtics Rondo doesn't exist anymore. That was a, that was a great time for Rondo's career, but shit, that was... I was a high school student during Rondo's peak. That was a long time ago. Like Obama was in office. Like it's been a minute since Rondo has been excellent for an extended period of time.
0: That's the crutch of watching a national broadcast is when you have the most marketable player in the league, maybe of any athlete in LeBron James, you've got the, first or second largest media market, the Lakers, like they have to hook the the casual fanny back. Oh, okay. Like some things reinforcements are coming. They'll be fine. Like, don't worry. The Lakers will get out of this first round. Um, That's just what they're going to do. The Blazers will not get any respect unless they actually defeat the Lakers in in the first round. Um, You know, I, I still saw a lot from the officiating crew that made me worry going into the next few games yes I know Portland ended up shooting 33 free throws to the 31 from the Lakers but nobody on Los Angeles was really in too much foul trouble outside of Danny Green and Dwight Howard and those are two pieces that they can really live without um, you know, the fourth quarter, LeBron was like throwing our guys away to get the the rebound. And he was WWEing us, Dag. And the, the overturn on Hassan's and one was just egregious. There's there's not enough to overturn that. That was a bang bang play. LeBron's foot is still dragging. That's that's an and one, but we all knew, like Blazer fans knew we were gonna get the the shaft on that, and we still overcame that. So that that is another reason to feel to feel good about this, is like. You can overcome this, and I thought Terry did a very smart thing when Nurk was picking up, I think, some silly fouls and some calls that probably shouldn't have been whistled, but there was one where he kind of brushed Dwight's hand deciding Yeah, yeah like he pushed foul. down on it. Um, He took him out because Nurkic mm-hmm. was playing too emotional and the Lakers were making their run there. That's when Hassan came in and had like two or three blocks and really kind of gave us time to... Okay, we, we can do this. I think CJ hit a big three, and then Dame followed it up with the big three, and all of a sudden we were tied. And now you knew, okay, it's it's a race to the finish. You know, our kick versus your kick, who who's gonna get there? And we had we had the better, we had the better finish.
1: It happened at the 704 mark of Yusuf's fifth stint. Uh he came out because of two personal fouls, and then Hassan came in and got two blocks two defensive rebounds and a personal foul in 4 minutes of play. You can you can argue that he didn't score, but those blocks were huge. Rebounding is they got second and third opportunities cuz we weren't boxing out. To be able to get those defensive rebounds, which is the last part of defense is huge. You know, the missed shot is is excellent, but if you're letting Dwight Howard get two th- attempts at dunking it, it's going to be a losing proposition so for hassan to get those boards is huge
0: but i do think not having zach and every member of the front court having like five fouls it does make you a little tentative when you're under the glass because you're like i I can't leave my team with with some like like there's a lot of arms and body parts moving in whether it may or may not be a foul, the refs may anticipate a whistle, which we saw in the first quarter when Carmelo Anthony had a clean block, but that wasn't declared. You know, they called a whistle, they called a foul. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully we get Zach back in the rotation and we don't get into so much foul trouble and we're able to be a little bit more aggressive. You know, we can go into the fourth quarter with, you know, two to three fouls on our bigs and we can just sell out and just say crash the glass let say I have a sneaky dribble pass shoot for you. Zach Collins is good to go. Let's say that's the scenario for Thursday night. Do you still start winging Gabriel at the four? Because I know what I'm doing. I know you're you're starting Winion. I'm shooting that from the yeah, low. I know you line. are. I know you I are. Fucking love Winion Gabriel. I even texted you. I think he's better than Zach Collins. That is my hot take. For this Tuesday night podcast. I like his energy better. I think he's more bouncy. He's stronger with the basketball. And, and God damn it. I just I love his defense.
1: It's tough because I agree with a lot of your points, but I don't think he... If it's Coach Sage, Wenyon probably starts, but it's not Coach Sage. It's Coach Stotts. No, I'm asking Coach Sage. Oh, oh okay. Coach Sage is... Coach Stotts is starting Zach Collins. He's higher up in the, the depth chart. He was the 10th pick compared to an undrafted rookie. Like, on the pecking order and what Neil O'Shea wants from this team, Zach Collins is starting. Can we agree on that? I See, I don't no, no, think no. it has...
0: Stotts' I, decision, not ours. I, I don't know. Like In, in his post-game press conference, Stotts spoke very highly of Wendell and Gabriel, and... Wenyan, if if we have Zach Collins, Wenyan has six fouls to use. He can be physical. What I liked about Wenyan starting and Zach coming off the bench is, I would love to see Zach try to you know score up against like a, maybe a what Morris brothers, Marquise Morris. I mean, they're both in Los Angeles, so you know I would love to see Zach have that matchup rather than you know trying to defend Anthony Davis and then trying to score the other end like. He can, he can win that matchup with, with Marquis Morris. Wenyan Gabriel can focus solely on defense and rebounding. Um, and I think it would also maybe be a little bit less of a, an intense situation to send Zach into. Like, come off the bench, just play with some energy and, and get him some confidence. I think that is the biggest thing missing in Zach Collins' game is confidence. And it's crazy that wenyon has got it. Wenyon just plays free-flowing. He's like, you know, I, I really started from the bottom and, and now I'm here. Zach, on the other Nice hand. reference. Thank you. Zach just um. <laughs> Zach de- thinks too much. He just needs to go out there and play. So let's talk
1: rotations. I have I've yet to agree to your point, but let's break it down even more since we're so talkative. First rotation is Wenyan and Nurk, right? Absolutely. Second rotation, Wenyan goes out, and
0: does Hasan go in and do the jumbo lineup? See, that's what I love about the options that Terry Stotts has because in this case I see what the Lakers do rather than make them match us okay are they going super big you can throw Hassan in there um or are they going really small I would continue to bring Hassan in that way you can phase and jerk out and then you have Hassan and Zach and it's tough because Hassan isn't a shooter
1: whatsoever he's hit some threes and they were lucky to go in Do you trust in that second – let me pull up what our second rotation was. It was Hassan, Gary Trent, Rio for a little while, and then CJ and Carmelo. Do you really think we can generate offense with that second rotation – being so focused on getting inside with not that many shoot, like Gary Trent would be the, the one. Well, CJ. Well, CJ has the ball. So just think about how condensed we are offensively with.
0: I mean, I think this is where you rely on Nurkic to take the the next step in his growth. Okay. Maybe you're doing more pick and roll with, with Dave.
1: How do you think Zach would handle being the fourth big off the bench? with an undrafted free agent rookie starting ahead of him.
0: He better handle it with a a smile and a handshake because uh, his contract is up after the end of next season. And if he wants to secure that bag, he'll start performing. I mean, that's just the bottom line. There's no ill will from me towards Zach. I think he has a lot of potential, but he hasn't really put pen to paper yet. And you look at a guy like Winyu Gabriel and even Nasir Little, when they're called upon, when Terry says jump, they say how high. They they go in there and, and they ball out, they play their ass off, they're diving on the floor for loose balls, they're doing what is needed for the team. Zach Collins has had moments. He's never really had he he's not had his welcome to the NBA moment yet. Like he's not he hasn't arrived. He hasn't I mean,
1: been consistent enough to earn the contract that you he thinks he deserves.
0: And to be perfectly blunt, like he hasn't done shit in the NBA. And that, that's not a knock on him. I, I think he saved our ass against Denver in the Western Conference semifinals, and he was a significant loss when he went down with that shoulder injury. But if Zach is going to have, and I don't think he will, but if Zach's going to have issues being a fourth big, then, okay, we can move on from you, Zach. Like, you're, you're not necessary to the core of this team. Again, this is all just – if this happens, I don't expect that to happen. I, think I, I
1: don't ex- I think Zach starts. If I trusted Zach Collins' three point shooting, I don't trust either of them. It's a it's a situation where you could throw Wenyon out if he gets two fouls, instantly put Zach in, but it could be reversed and be the same issue. I would like to reserve 15 minutes of jumbo lineups, and then I think Hassan from what he's done today deserves some minutes as the only center as well, because he definitely sparked a run. It's a, it's a crazy thing thinking of and predicting NBA rotations for bigs like we're doing right now when we've only had one for 98% of the season to, to like predict, well, in this rotation we might get to see this and this when in for most of the year, I was like, I hope Hassan plays 36 minutes and then Wenyon or Anthony Tolliver plays the rest. It's it's a different situation really thinking of how we split up this rotation. I definitely see benefits of Wenyon starting because he is more lively and not a diss on Zach. But I think he's a better vertical athlete. And if you watched him at Kentucky, he was the leading shot blocker. So he could irritate Anthony Davis like he did in that first rotation but if I was a betting man I think the rotations are Zach, Nurkic then Hassan then we see with uh, winyon but I wouldn't take winyon out because Rio was wilding he was wilding during this game. Rio had
0: that one nice pass, and then he was uh, tapped out for uh, production. But it wasn't a nice pass.
1: Let's break down that play. Nurkic got the rebound, dribbled it to three-quarters court, passed it to Rio. Rio passed it back. Are you, I mean, we're giving him credit for a pass back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice pass. Led to a dunk. Hell yeah. <laughs> on, last point on winning Gabriel, why he should start. One, we're 2-0 against the Lakers when he starts. Two, he is a better finisher around the rim than Zach Collins. Why I love the jumbo lineup Shit, he against might be this the Lakers la- team. He might be the best finisher on our team, bro. Why I love the jumbo lineup against this Lakers team is clearly you're not going to run pick and roll with Hassan. He He's proven that that's not his forte. But if you want to stop the Lakers from dragging their center or power forward out there to trap Dame, send Gary or Carmelo to set that screen for CJ since we're talking second unit or if, if Dame's in there with with the jumbo lineup.
1: We are such nerds by the way.
0: And why I like that is because you're spreading out the floor and you're letting the guard go to work and there's not as much length. And so the, the ball handler has the vision to see where he wants to go. And if the Lakers want to counter and say that that's fine, we're going to have Anthony Davis or JaVale McGee guard Carmelo now and we'll have him on that pick and roll. Well, what does that mean? That means a smaller player is now in Lop use of Jokic and you can and then you can either lob it or just let him post up and go to work. Portland has counters to what they want to do. And so, you know, that's just what what I would do as a coach. I thought Terry did a really good job uh coaching this game. The scheme was scheme was on point. He did a lot with a, with a whole lot of little uh especially with the five fouls on on four players and and they got it done. This is the epitome of if it's not broke, don't fucking fix it. It's working. Let, let one in ball. It leads
1: to a discussion where if you truly think that a undrafted free agent rookie is better than the 10th pick in a recent draft, there's some issues that need to be had that need to be hashed out in a different podcast. When shit isn't so tenuous with the playoff series, we need to definitely have a discussion whether what we think of Zach Collins. Because if if we spent the last fifteen minutes talking about big rotations and Zach being the fourth big or a reluctant starter, there's some glaring issues.
0: I mean, I think any Blazer fan who has really paid attention to Zach Collins while he's in the bubble has been underwhelmed uh there's been times where he shoots with confidence there's times he looks terrified on the floor um you can't afford to be terrified you can't but sage i i don't know if that's something you can correct i don't know if that's teachable behavior like it's dame has the mindset of i'm from east oakland i've seen basically everything around the sun twice you on this basketball court it isn't gonna phase me it doesn't Zach Collins may think of it, you know, my God, bright lights. i got millions of people watching me. I I don't know. Um, And a lot of players are more towards Zach than they are Dame. That's why Dame Dame's different. He's just built in a completely different way. But you look at the guy like Gary Trent Jr. Who has that that irrational confidence that I don't care that I hit two off the side of the backboard. You pass it to me in the closing minutes. I am going to take and make that shot with confidence. And so Zach when he comes back, I, you know, I really, I do hope he can come back. I just need to see him play just freely because mm. that is one you can teach someone to shoot. You can teach someone to, you know, you can train to get stronger. You can teach a lot of different things. Mentality and mindset is something that I don't think can be taught. Like that has to be just that's inside. And
1: I think it could develop within by with age but that's something that we don't
0: really we have. Don't have time.
1: It's yeah, we that one asset that we absolutely don't have right now is time.
0: We're, we're witnessing arguably the greatest trailblazer of all time in, in their prime mm-hmm. and his backcourt running mate is only a year behind in, in age. It's fucking go time. I mean there there's no if ands or buts about that and you know I'm not trying to be super harsh on Zach Collins but that's kind of just, again, the nature of the beast to, to the NBA. We are in win now mode. If this was 2K and you went to team Intel, we are fucking contending. Mm-hmm. That means we ain't trading Dame, we ain't trading CJ, we're not trading Nurk. We're looking to go all in, so we only have a few trade chips. We, we can't wait on potential, Sage. We need now. We need production. Yeah. All right, Sage, let's get into some of these fan questions before we preview Thursday's game. So first, I want yeah. to...
1: to uh, Lottos Thursday, too. And uh, you know I'm hyped about that.
0: Oh, my goodness <laughs> We have a question from one of our favorite people, one of our longtime listeners, uh, Anise. He wants to know... He wants to know, can we keep the fouls in check next game? Can Whiteside keep this defensive effort for the next game? So two huge keys that Portland needs to meet if they are to take a 2-0 series lead. I mean, I, I feel like Hassan
1: puts in effort every time, every game. It, it might not look like he does, but... When you when if players score when he has his hands directly up and is playing that type of contest defense, he did his job on that possession. It just happened to go in. So I don't really have any reservations about Hassan participating. I think that he's going to try his damnedest because every team is watching right now. Every single team. He is a he is a free agent. There is no reason for him to not try in a... This is the late-night hammer of basketball. Prime time. Prime time, baby. Yeah, it's late-night hammer session. So you know coaches, GMs, basketball personnel are watching. It would be ridiculously short sighted for him to think of, ah, fuck this, I'm not starting, I'm not going to participate. Fouling, though, I think we have two foul. I think we have three foul monsters if you really want to break it down. I think Nurk can get himself into foul trouble because when he does foul, it usually has a secondary foul within like two or three possessions. He's a bench fouler. Yes, he, 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 he's a binge fouler. Zach Collins has always had this where he fouls. And when in Gabriel, he could play six really good minutes but then get three fouls and ruin his availability for the rest of the half. So I can't tell you that they aren't going to foul because it's 100% in their narratives to foul.
0: Yeah, I would say in regards to the fouls, I was more pleased to see Gary Trent Jr. stay out of foul trouble just because the availability of lockdown wing defenders is just, limited to Gary Trent Jr. The Monopoly. That Yeah, that's all we got, so we need to, one, keep him out of foul trouble, and he did a really nice job. I don't think he picked up a foul in the second half, and he was picking up LeBron every single time down the floor. Uh, to the bigs, I think we're just going to foul. That, that's in our nature, and I hope we have Zach Collins, so we have six additional fouls. I also hope the officiating isn't as ticky-tacky. Again, I thought that Nurk had a couple that didn't really count, and I thought Wenyan got the shaft about 80% of the time there. And in regards to Hassan, we saw him have a really dominant performance against Brooklyn and just kind of look lost against Memphis in that playing game. He looked dominant against the Lakers in game one. It's the same opponent. There should really be no reason. He should dominate the class and be our rim protector. Um, I don't necessarily expect five blocks in 25 minutes, but even if he didn't have a block, he could have altered those shots. So that's mm-hmm. why the stat line shouldn't be the ultimate. It shouldn't be the ultimate decider in whether a defensive player is good or not. Just watch watch the eye test. I want to see him active. He's going to have to play. I mean, that's just the bottom line. This is a, a series tailor-made for he and Nurkic to play um, together. Together, So, yeah, so I, I do expect Hassan. I, I think he's going to have an, a really good series. And in terms of the fouls, I think we're just going to have to grin and bear uh, a, a lot of it, Sage.
1: I mean, I'm looking at Anthony Davis's yearly foul, uh, free throw per, uh, shooting averages. He gets seven every, he averages seven free throw attempts every game. He's going to the line X amount of times. He, he draws fouls at a really ridiculously high rate. I remember when he was in New Orleans, he was second next to James Harden. So he draws fouls. We foul. I feel like that is a – it could happen where we don't foul. But if we're going to predict games, we have to predict that our two power young power forwards are probably going to foul very quickly.
0: Question from Blazers down under another great one. Gary Trent Jr. seems to have lost his shooting mojo. What do you think he needs to do to get it back?
1: Keep shooting. If he has supreme confidence, which we've mentioned a few times, he has to keep shooting. It it was unfortunate that he missed two threes by shooting it off the backboard. But one thing we've noticed about him is that he's really confident. I don't think those two shots off the backboard are going to negatively affect him and his three-point shooting. We also should talk about how he's had a really wonderful bubble. Teams now know who Gary Trent Jr. is. He's on the scouting report. He's on the scouting report. Teams can't afford to leave him wide open. Now, there's times where we shoot ourselves in the – he's open and we don't pass it to him. But that's not what the defense is dictating. He's getting open shots. He will continue to shoot them. And here's the here's the thing about three-point shooters. Even if you're one of the best ever, miss 6 out of 10. There aren't that many 50% three-point shooters on a huge number. He's one of the our dead eye shooters. He's going to have to shoot and if his confidence isn't rattled by him embarrassingly shooting two shots, I don't really expect for him to be bricking that often, but you know, it, it's NBA people, it's NBA players. You're going to miss more than you make on a given night from three.
0: There was no way he was going to keep it. I think he was at one point in the bubble 69%, 70% yeah, 69. shooting the three. Nice. You saw the looks that he was getting. I mean, just completely wide open. There wasn't a defender within within the vicinity. and there was,
1: He had a clear runway to launch this shot.
0: I mean, it, it was game after game. And then I, I think – once the game started to get a little tight, I think that it started with the Clippers game when we ended up losing that one. Then it's like, okay, we it's based on go home. And you could tell he felt the pressure a little bit. Uh, the, the stakes were higher. Uh, shout out to De La Soul.
1: You've had more hip-hop references than me, and I don't like it. I might have to delete your
0: hip-hop references. No, because then I'll call you out. <laughs> but for Gary, it's important that he doesn't try to do too much. He has still came up clutch in each of the past four or five games, even though his shooting overall shooting percentages came down. He still plays great defense, but sometimes you'll see him out on the perimeter try to create his own shot. He's just not quite there yet. I think it would behoove Terry Stotts and the Portland Trailblazers to when Gary checks in to run some sets for him, whether that's coming off of a screen or running a pick and roll where Gary is one of the outlets. Because, you know, they're going to double Dame or CJ. You got to get Gary some open looks. And even though he did hit a couple off of the backboard, they were pretty contested and he didn't have a lot of time to, to catch and shoot. I would see if you could get him a, a couple of good open looks and get him his rhythm and his confidence, because once he gets going, then he's going to be able to hit those tough shots where you're like, okay, now, now we got, now we got a true specialist um, on our hands, but you said it, shoot or shoot, keep going. And like it, like an NFL DB have a short memory. No, you're going to make the next one. You could go 0 for 10, but Dame's going to count on you. You better go 1 for 11 and make that next one.
1: So here, here's another thing about Gary Tran Jr. If you look at his usage rate, and usage rate dictates the points you've scored, the assists you've made, and the turnovers committed while you're on the court, he actually has a lower usage rate today if you just filter out the bubble Versus the rest of the year, he has a higher usage rate during the rest of the year comparative to the bubble. So he really isn't trying to do too much. If you just look at the numbers, he was, he was hitting a lot of shots and that's what made him look great. He's not playing in a different light. He's playing basically the same way, except shooting it less now. Like, he's going to be just fine. He's missed a little. He's missed threes, which even Kyle Corver, it peaked Kyle Corver missed threes.
0: So, Taylor Harrison at the Tower 51 on Twitter wants to know if we beat the Lakers in the series, when do we start construction on the Charles Barkley statue outside of the Rose Garden? <laughs> I don't think Charles will be the person we. Yeah, I, I think bronze. Anything, I think it's Damian Lillard. Yeah, they better start construction on on that Dame statue first. So Sage, we got this question after we announced we were recording last episode. Um, it came in a little late. Told told um, Michael that that we we would at answer his question. So this comes from at Brisney Blazers. Just listening now got to the play section and wanted a follow-up question. Since all 16 playoff teams are in the bubble, should the NBA reseed 1 through 16 regardless of conference? Now, this has been a hot topic and one of those rule changes that a lot of people have advocated for. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Sage?
1: I don't think it would be possible with this current bubble.
0: I think that Right now, all, all sixteen teams are in the bubble, though. So if if any, I would argue that if they're going to do it, any time would be now because there's no travel. I didn't
1: see the NBA write about it or talk about it. I saw other content creators talk about it. So if you know, in that scenario, I wouldn't have thought of it because it's just been east-west for so long. But if they implemented it, I bet it would it would stick. They just didn't in this this time, but I think it yeah. would have been
0: appropriate. But I am anti reseeding one through sixteen. And you're seeing it right now in the Western Conference, even in the East. In the East, you've you've got Boston and Philly who have played playoff matchups the most against any two teams in NBA history currently in the first round. In the West, you've got the Blazers and the Lakers playing for the 12th time in the playoffs. Uh, We may not be their number one rival, but they sure are ours. Mm -hmm got two northwest division rivals who have played fantastic regular season games and game one was a classic as well in denver and utah you've got the storylines of chris paul going up against russell westbrook although russ is hurt but that that still is a storyline those two point guards were trick for one another and i just really like I guess I'm old school in that sense. And there are some rule changes I like, and there are some rule changes I don't this, the the seed in that type of tournament to get to the eight seed. I love that, but like that, that made those last few games really matter and Mm count as like a pre playoff preview, but uh, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to conferences. Um, I think it just matters a little bit more. And I I like the rivalries and and pretty We're not going to be in this bubble forever. I hope. And so just imagining like the Blazers playing Charlotte in a playoff series. Like, oh God. That travel is just Would ridiculous. Suck. I and mean, so, the Blazers travel the most anyway. Yeah. Let's stay on the best coast Sage. So I, I am anti that. Uh, yeah, I, I,
1: I don't think it has any serious potential just because of travel. And you've seen broad, broadcasters say the quality of basketball has gone up because they're not in planes. It's better for recovery. So I think, like, if Portland and Boston happen to go against each other, we are back to normal and Blazers are playing in Portland. I would want them to travel as less as possible instead of opening up the entire USA as a potential opponent.
0: Last question again from Blazers Down Under. Uh, A bit late on the uptake here, but do we have any Anthony Davis stoppers, or do we just let him get the 40-20. So we already saw what happened in game one. How would you answer that question after what we saw in the first game of the series?
1: I think he had a floor game. And I don't think there is a thing as an Anthony Davis stopper. I think it's a team effort to stop Anthony Davis. In basketball, it's a lot of team defense and team concepts. We can go zone and force him to try and shoot. But if he's so transcendent of a player that I don't think it's just one. I think we, uh, them as a unit have to stop them. The big unit has to stop them. And then those bigs also have to contest uh, LeBron James at the rim. So I don't think it, we have an Anthony Davis stopper, but I do think that we have zone and man concepts that could frustrate him.
0: Yeah. I just say play physical with him. That's, that's what I would, that's what I would ask. Uh, I liked physical both sides. Yeah, I I make him feel you on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I really liked the looks that that we gave him. He didn't get too many clean looks. He didn't really get into a rhythm. Um, The doubles that you mentioned, I I agree with that as well. Um, Sage, let's take a quick commercial break and let's preview game two of this series. Blazers versus Lakers. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here getting ready to break down game two of the Western Conference first round between your Portland Trailblazers and the rival Los Angeles Lakers. Game two tips, same time, 6 p.m. on, I believe, Thursday. Thursday we play local and nationally. I believe it is an ESPN tip nationally if you want to hear that. Um, Myself, I'll be continuing listening to that local broadcast. Sage, I was thinking about this as we go into game two, how the bubble affects everything. And we talked game one and when we previewed this series about how an advantage it was that there wasn't a home court advantage. It is neutral site. But now that we have won game one, there's no more, oh, we can just win this baby at home in in games three, four, and six, wipe our hands with it and call it good. Now you're, you're back in this same neutral court. So there is there is a different feel to it, and I wonder how the players are going to approach that because it's not like oh we went down to Los Angeles and got the one game we needed. Mm-hmm. That, that that mentality is completely gone. So that is something that to to really look out for because there is no home court, there is no going back to your crowd like that. This what became an advantage is now a disadvantage. You don't have twenty thousand Blazer maniacs, you know, ready for you over the weekend for games three and games four. Um, I'm no, I know.
1: I've admittedly thought that way. Like, yeah, now we can go back to. Oh shit! No, we don't. We stay right here. So it, it's a different mentality, and you know, normally we'd be super duper enthused because we stole game one. Oh, I'm still super duper. I mean, I got, yeah, I got a
0: I, smile on my face, I and mean, I'm good. I mean,
1: but it's the same. It's the same shit. We're they're going to the same place. They're going to the same. You know, they're going to do the
0: same routine
1: as a team in the same location. It's a different type and of mindset
0: maybe there's no pressure to go win at home and i know that can sound strange like you know you've got your fans you got your family but there can be a lot of you're pressure giving out a oh,
1: shitload of tickets to your friend like there's a lot of
0: there's a lot of pressure because now if we happen to lose game three or game four or, or game six like oh shit we have to win another game in los mm-hmm. angeles that that's gone too so it's just a completely unique scenario that that both teams are, are now placed in and if, if i'm the blazers looking at this series I, I think they just can't go down two games and what i mean by that was you know go down 0-2 or three one they've always got to stay within a game of, of the lakers and clearly they got off to a fantastic start and, and took the first one but Clearly, you can't let the Lakers string together a couple of victories. Like mm-hmm. this is a, you know, Dame is a huge boxing fan. This is a heavyweight foul, heavyweight bout where you got two prize fighters who who are gonna, you know, take each other's best shots. We took the first round. It's on us to, you know, we're gonna get knocked down in the series. That there's no doubt about that. How do we react? How do we get back up? Do we throw more punches? Because I I think if we're able to kind of go toe for toe with the Lakers, they'll really understand that they're in for a long series, rather than this just being an anomaly. And oh, we're going to flip the switch and then we're going to go, you know, cruise off to the second round of the playoffs.
1: So yeah, don't allow it to be a second round knockout. You have to take their best punch because you know it's coming. You got an NBA champion and goat of our generation in LeBron James. You got one of the most talented players ever in Anthony Davis as a big man being able to do so many things. So it's not like we, we didn't claim their soul on this win. They're going to come back a lot more focused. We have so many more options than we had any other time this year with Nurkic and potentially Zach Collins playing. And are we assuming
0: that Zach Collins plays Thursday? Sage, at this point, I really don't know. I was completely thrown off by seeing tweets Monday afternoon saying he was already out. That was like 36 hours in advance. Usually you'd be like, okay, he's a game-time decision. You know, I haven't even seen a replay of where he got hurt in, in the Memphis game. Um, I would hope he's back, but I, I think it's, it's 50-50 at this point. We're going to have to make our predictions you know, just based off of what we think. So um, let's agree. Is he in or out for our
1: predictions?
0: I think we, I mean, I haven't seen any update that, that makes me think that he's coming back anytime soon. It, the, the Blazers are being really coy about this and that's a little unnerving. Um, I mean, they were pretty damn coy about his shoulder injury after game three too. Absolutely. And you could tell the longer it takes to get word out, the worse um, it be. The worse it will be.
1: So are we assuming it is uh, the big three man rotation? Yes. Nods little isn't gonna play, so we don't have a fourth big anywhere on the roster, unless we want to count mellow as a as a big, not a not a wing spacer. I mean, it adds it adds six fouls is huge, bro. <laughs> as we've seen. It could have been, the game could have been shifted if one of our big three bigs got the sixth. It tightens rotations. It it it, it 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 could be bad. And AD and LeBron get a lot of free throws. But assuming that Gabriel is our starting power forward, I love the way he attacked that first game. Because he he definitely it had he has the leaping ability to contend with an Anthony Davis. All he has to do is do the verticality defense instead of trying to block Anthony. I haven't seen AD get blocked that often,
0: and he still could play. So that that's also something to to consider. If I'm looking forward to this game, I think this game to is so incredibly important from a trailblazer perspective. Now, if we lose, I don't think that means the series goes out the window, but I think if you go up to 0 Sage and you, you we're talking about playing in that same gym, the same routine, really the same time of, of the day. I think that sends a really strong message to the Lakers. And this is a Portland team that is playing with an incredible amount of confidence right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think regardless of the outcome, if they keep the game close, that's what they have to do. The worst possible outcome for Thursday night would be to get blitzed and to lose by double-wire-to-wire loss. Yeah, and, and it just would cement, oh, game one was just a fluke. We're, we're here. We're, we're going to assert our dominance. I think if the Blazers can – there is going to be an early storm. They, they're mm-hmm. going to have to weather that storm. I think they're going to have to stay out of foul trouble as much as they can. And I think they may have to rely on Damian Lillard a little bit more early on to kind of keep them afloat. Mm -hmm. And I think if they do that, they'll be able to... You know, All the the Blazers want to do is they just want to hang around. They don't necessarily have to lead from start to finish like they did for the majority of the game this evening. But if they can just hang around like five, six points and then just make their kick because they've got the capabilities of doing that, that's when you kind of steal a game. Mm -hmm. So I think the Blazers really just have to stay focused i love the fact that they didn't celebrate too much after winning this game i think that
1: was a really smart move
0: they 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 knew it's game one Mm -hmm. they knew they hadn't won anything yet you can be happy but you don't need to act like you've won a championship because you haven't done anything yet you've just won one game and so i really like that i also think the blazers are going to get better performances from gary trent and carmelo anthony i don't think they're going to shoot the ball that poorly and if I'm looking for an X factor, I think it's going to be Yusuf Nurkic. She had a double-double in the first half. He ended up with 16, uh, 15, and three. Uh, he had a couple of looks from three that he didn't shoot, which I would love to see him him hoist. He got to the line nine times. I think there's the ability to really run some some pick and roll with him and, and make the Lakers pick their poison, kind of go on the attack. And what I really want to see is the assist numbers so we ended up with 18 assists and i think that number was we had more than half of our assists in, in that first quarter um we were moving the ball the ball movement player move it and can't get into the stagnated offense where it's okay i'm gonna dump it into Mello, or i'm gonna dump it into you know yusuf and we're just all gonna stand around and watch the blazers need to constantly be in attack mode I think the way you can beat this Laker team is to wear them down on that end of the floor, make them make them defend you at a high level for 100% 100 possessions a night.
1: So yeah, I mean, when you when you think of what Nurk did in that in that first half, it was like 10 and 10. So just think that second half, he got 6 points and 5 rebounds in that half. That is an enough margin for error. For any of us. But I think he just has to, his imprint has to be on the game for as many minutes as he plays. And he looked exhausted in that third and fourth uh, rotation, his third and fourth stint. He looked tired very quickly. So maybe it's a game where Hassan plays more minutes because you don't want to tire him out where he has nothing left to give when we need to make a very clutch kick. I'm My X Factor is going to be the bigs, but I'm going to go Hassan Whiteside just because we need insurance. Ner- we need a Nurkic insurance, and Hassan Whiteside is the best candidate to provide the Nurk insurance.
0: So we both gave our player X factor, statistical X factor. I, I have to go three-point shooting. If the Blazers can get the Lakers to shoot five of 32 again, they, they will win this game. I think it's key that the Blazers do not let Laker role players like a Danny Green or a Kyle Kuzma, even a Mark uh, Marquise Morris get hot from three. I, I feel like a lot of their shots were contested, which is beautiful. And that's where I think the series is going to be ultimately won or lost is the role players from Los Angeles shooting the basketball. If Portland is able to send two to three defenders to LeBron and Anthony Davis time and time again, without the fear of Los Angeles hitting from downtown, they're going to win this series. This has a lot of Oklahoma City Thunder vibes written all over it. I mean, if you just want to look at it from that perspective, even from last postseason, and on Portland's end, yes, I know they ended up shooting 38% from three, but they were cold for most of the night. It wasn't until I believe we hit our last four threes with Dame, CJ, Carmelo, and Trent. So before that, we were pretty cold from three at Portland. Yeah, Portland needs to pick up that pace from downtown. That's where they're going to be able to really open up that Laker defense and give Dame more room to operate if others are making – I mean, it's, all, it's all about
1: spacing. It, that you' You're talking about spacing, and if there's more room for Damien to operate, it only makes things easier. I'm gonna go for my statistical uh, X factor. I would like us to beat the Lakers in rebounds. they They get a lot of offensive rebounds based on their personnel. And I think if we can dominate the board, it would be a very easier it would be a much easier game for us to to win if we aren't if we're limiting the LA Lakers to one shot per possession instead of two or three so defensive boards is huge and we got guys that are tall that can get rebounds son was one of the league leaders nurk always has an impact rebounding but i think that it needs to be gang rebounding and we might have to eliminate more fast break points to send more people to help on the rebounds because uh a uh, second-chance dunk is pretty It's pretty bad for the psyche when you see Dwight Howard getting them over and over and over again. So I think that we sacrifice some offensive firepower on the fast break to really secure these rebounds.
0: All right, Sage, what's your prediction? You know what? I'm feeling good.
1: I am now 9 for 10 on my predictions this uh, bubble. I think the Blazers win this game, and take a really commanding series, and I'll let the good times roll. We
0: we stole one. Let's get greedy and steal two. I have the Lakers winning another nail biter like it was tonight. I am getting. I picked the Lakers in six. Before this is starting to feel like I mentioned that that heavyweight prize fight. I think this bad boy might go seven and game seven to me is a toss or game game two to me is a toss up. I, I have a feeling the Lakers will hit a little bit more from three and LeBron will do whatever he can to get them over the hump. But I do think Dame's going to play better. I I think this series could be one, one for the ages. Um, I mean, I would take, if it's a close loss,
1: that's acceptable. That's it. The only thing that I think would be detrimental to the team is we get our ass beat, wire to wire, and we don't show the mental, physical fortitude to fight back. I know Terry Stotts is going to play his guys a lot of minutes because he knows the importance of it. So if we're getting blown out, that means Damien Lillard, CJ McCollum, Camilo, Gary Trent, Hassan, and Nurk are getting blown out. We can't blame it on our bench because... We don't have one right now. So if we lose, I'm okay with it. But if we get demolished, then it, we're going to come out here and talk about some more pessimistic outlooks on the Blazers.
0: You know, I've I've been around the block a few times. I remember in 2010 when the six-seeded Blazers went into Phoenix and Andre Miller had a ceiling game and, and we knocked off the Suns. However, they made an adjustment. They took Steve Nash off of Andre Miller, put Grant Hill on him. Andre wasn't able to back down and just you know score score in the post like like an old school point guard that he is, and that really flipped the series. And yeah, we ended up taking game four to tie, but in the end, Phoenix really really wasn't deterred. Uh, they had they had their way with us, um, but I've also seen the Blazers really punch OKC in the mouth. And they did it again in game two. They killed him in game two, and it really sent a message. So game two, I think, is going to tell me a lot about this series. We've seen both teams have put their cards down on the table. Now the next hand is going to be dealt, and we're going to see what what adjustments the Lakers are going to make, what adjustments the Blazers are going to make. Uh, We've seen Terry Stotts win coaching battles, as he did against Billy Donovan, and towards the end of that series against Michael Malone. We've also seen him lose coaching battles like he did against Alvin Gentry and, and Steve Kerr. So the, the sneaky X factor is Terry Stotts versus, versus Frank Vogel. Like who is going to be willing to go a little bit more crazy. Who's going to be like, okay, I need to adjust. I need to adapt. I need, I can get out of my comfort zone with it. This is okay. I'm going to trust my team to win with this system. I'm not going to be stubborn. That is going to be key.
1: I think let's just say coaching staffs because if we're talking former times Terry Stotts got coached, Darren Ehrman. So let's talk about the entire staff. Can the entire staff make those adjustments or does the Lakers make their key adjustments and win the game? I think that's a humongous X factor. And it's something that we've worried about with Terry Stotts. Will he learn – from potential mistakes and make that game-winning or game-saving adjustment.
0: All right, Sage, before we wrap this one up, I would like all of our listeners to know that Nathan McKee, he goes by the handle at Dr., which is D-R underscore dog, D-A-W-G underscore M-D. Fantastic artist who uses... Um, cardboard, um, cardboard cutout paper and makes just, I have one of of Clyde and Kevin Duckworth in the All-Star uniforms. Um, He did one with Gary Trent Jr, Carmelo Anthony, Damian and CJ with their their messages on the back of their jersey. He's selling limited prints with 50 percent of the profits being donated to the Black Resilience Fund. Sage, I don't really have the wall space right now, but I'm even considering doing one. It is the one of the best pieces I have seen. Um, also, you know, he's just—I've uh, known him for for quite a while. A Really good dude. Makes makes really great art. Does good things for the community. So, uh, support him. And w- once again, do whatever you can to help save our postal office. You know, buy stamps, or or just text. You can text USPS to five zero four. Oh nine! It literally takes three minutes. It will send letters to your representatives on your behalf in your district that will let you know that you do not stand with what is being happening with what is happening to our to our post post office. So that's my message that I have as we, we wind this down, Sage. If you have anything else, uh, please feel free to add that. Um, play it's playoff time, which means it's a, a lot more work for me.
1: And if you enjoy what you've heard, tell, <clears throat> tell a friend. Because we definitely put out a lot of effort in et- every show. We put about, we put 100% of our efforts, whatever is available, we put out and share. And if you fuck with us, retweet us, share it with your friends who enjoy this team. I mean, right now is a pretty wild time to live in America and be a uh, trailblazers fan if you enjoy what we're doing share it with your friends who also enjoy the blazers because we're gonna be with you be with you every step of the way and you can find us on itunes google play stitcher himalaya podcast nothing but net radio dash radios tuesdays two to three uh and if you listen this far you're a real one and uh thank you all for listening Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shunley. Good night, everybody.
0: Let's go! go.